I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? So, this is my third time doing a Netherworlds podcast. I mentioned it in the Felt podcast, but uh, as I looked into it, this is a pretty vital album and group. This was recorded before we did Felt. I don't know if it came out after we did Felt, though. I don't recall much from this era, but luckily, this past weekend at High Road Day, I ran into Anacron, so he gave me the actual production notes. So stay tuned at the end, because once we run through all this, I am going to give you the credits, basically. So where to start? Netherworlds is a group with myself, Anacron, and himself. Myself, Merce, Anacron, himself. Anacron is one of my longest friends. Friend I've had the longest to stay in contact. I bounced around a lot, as you probably can see from this series. When I got back to Los Angeles in 1992, I went to Hamilton High School on the west side of L.A. Uh, For various reasons, I wasn't allowed to go to L.A. High. Well, L.A. High wasn't in the district. I was one block west of La Brea, so I was out of the district for L.A. High, even though it was closest to my school. Fairfax and Melrose, where Fairfax High is, various personal politics kept me out of there. My grandmother was the manager at the cafeteria at Hamilton High, so she got me in there. I had paperwork saying I was smart, so I was in the Magnet Humanities program. I met Anacron, who was in the music program. We had a very amazing music program, I believe. The former principal had just gone on to be the president of the uh, Recording Academy for the Grammys. So music was a big deal there. Uh, Lots of people went to Hamilton, Shia LaBeouf, Nipsey Hussle, Bad Luck, myself. I think dudes from Immature, B2K, Justin Perret from... Ozo Motley, who I just saw recently. Shout out to Neighborhood Orchestra Collective. If you haven't heard Girl Like You, please go stream the Neighborhood Orchestra Collective featuring Mercer's song called Girl Like You. One of my favorite songs at the moment that I've ever made. Eyes closed when I propose. I suppose if I ain't never seen a girl like you, that's how it goes. The lows ain't even low. The highs higher. How I love a woman who ain't never seen the wire. Guess it's gotta be more. Get it? Life without you, then I probably wouldn't live it. Remember 06 when you first let me hit it? That's when, you, let's just say I won't forget it. I got in bed with you. Hamilton was a school for music and magnet. It was a mixed school. We had Jewish kids, we had Asian kids, black kids, white kids, blonde girls, black girls, white girls. Now, if you get that from the old uh, party line commercials. Pick up the phone and call 1 809 chat there's a party waiting for you. It's the party line. I wanted to be in a fraternity because my stepbrother, who really got me into hip-hop and rapping, who used to threaten to punch me if I didn't rap for him and his friends when I was like in the third or fourth grade, uh, 
he had gotten a full-ride scholarship to Oregon Tech University in Klamath Falls, Oregon. I got to spend a summer with him and his fraternity brothers in Phi Beta Sigma. And definitely it was blue and white, so I wanted to, for multiple reasons, I wanted to be a Sigma. Uh, they had a friend, I believe that was uh, their frat brother, who ran the college radio station. My, also my first introduction to college radio station stations. And as we get ready to go into the end of the beginning, college radio played a huge part in that. And I just saw Jessica from Spectre. Shout out to her. for She's been working my records to college radio for decades now. But I was a little more stoked than the average indie rapper. Because I think a lot of us came into college radio because they were the only stations playing our stuff. But I had been dreaming of being on college radio since the summer I spent in Klamath Falls. So at Oregon Tech, one of his frat brothers had a radio show. And I was maybe 10, 11, I don't remember. But I was already like reading the source and and like looking for new albums before they released. So he had the promo 12-inch for uh, Pop Goes the Weasel by Third Base. And I was like, do you know when Derelict's a dialect drops? And I'm sure he was kind of like, what the fuck? This is 10-year-old, 11-year-old, maybe it was 12, I don't know. What does this little boy know about real hip-hop and release dates and singles? Never had a wasted mind, had the time, erect and run my corns, gifted lines. The flows I know puts the papers in pop. He was cool. He was in my brother's fraternity. Of course, I thought my brother was cool. I think I had just seen School Days. Stepping was cool. Something that unified black men that wasn't about killing black men was amazing to me. And once again, under your rivals wore red, they wore blue. This was great. And there was a healthy rivalry where they would have a dance battle. So that was more Beach Street than it was Boys in the Hood. So I was into that. In hindsight, of course, the whole Greek thing is all fucked up to me, but still, I I think highly of these organizations. I get to Hamilton, and I have no friends because I'm getting bust out of my district. Nobody in my neighborhood, the homies from my neighborhood that I got acquainted with over the summer that we had moved back to LA. We moved back to LA right after the riots, like in May, 92. I made some friends in our neighborhood playing basketball, lifting weights. I don't know if we mentioned that in the podcast. My house was the one-stop shop for all neighborhood activities, basketball court, weight bench, and I had marijuana. None of my homies could could uh, go a day without getting in a fight or shot at at Hamilton. Kind of started making friends on the bus, but I saw this Hamilton Greek Society was putting flyers all over the school. If you were in, wanted to join a fraternity, basically, or sorority, you could join the Hamilton Greek Society. It was for black students. I don't think it was specifically, we had a couple white kids in there, so it was, and an Asian kid. Was, so it was for students, but it was a, a black, uh, founded by a, a black teacher, uh, Mr. McLeod. Shout out to him, wherever he is. So Anacron joined. I don't know his reasons, but I joined because I needed friends, and I was fascinated with HBCUs and, and black Greek life at the time. And th- we had to pledge, wear ties and suits and all kind of stuff. And learn steps and learn the Greek alphabet forward and backwards. And our lunch times were spent in the gym doing all this crazy stuff. But it was scholastically inspired, so it wasn't, you know, complete nonsense. And Anacron and I had a mutual respect for hip-hop. And we became good friends. I started having sleepovers at his house. And that turned to him putting me, jumping me into his tagging crew. And then us starting our own tagging crew. And then building with more people, and that's how we made our first rap group. It was called Funky Chaos. 
I believe uh, Faith Santia, help us name it, she is an amazing poet and activist here in Southern California. If you haven't heard her music or her poems, please look her up. When women and girls are killed, it is especially heartbreaking, though you may not be sure why. Maybe it's because when women and girls are killed, it's often no surprise. When women and girls are killed, we say things like, it was bound to happen. And partially for me, influenced by something going on called Funky Circle, which a brother named Kasim and Crondon, uh, I forget what he was going by at the time, Shahid, I believe. There were underground clubs in L.A. where you, once again, you call a hotline, you find a warehouse. Uh, my favorite one, I think, was like off of Slauson and Van Ness behind a jack-in-the-box in an old warehouse. You know, things that, you know, when the when the journey is arduous and uh, a little bit dangerous, it's it's more sweet. But, uh, yeah, that was way out of bounds for me. But they had a store inside the swap meet that used to be on King and Crenshaw near there, right by the Crenshaw Mall in the parking lot where the Kaiser is now and Maranatha Church used to be. And we used to go to Maranatha. And after church, we could go to the swap meet and... They had, you know, the Black Bart Simpson t-shirts. And Funky Circle had a small booth upstairs. And I bought two t-shirts from them. And I wore those t-shirts all the time. So when it came time, and they spelled it P-H-U-N-K-Y, Circle, it was spelled regular. And being that I was the kind of kid, too, that, you know, some 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 did better, some did worse. But my mom, we could afford about two, three pair of pants and five shirts, five tops, two or three bottoms. That was your back-to-school shopping. And, you know, like, $20, $20 a, a article of clothing, max probably. So I think the shirts were $20, $25. I may have to beg my mom a little bit. Shirts, you know, pants, I didn't care what kind of pants I had. And I really didn't care about shoes or anything else. Um, I was into music. The less money I spent on anything other than music, the better. We named the group Funky, Funky Chaos. Um, Double K was went to our school. He was DJ Chaos. Still more of our part of our, our friendly rivalry we had back in the day. Um, we should have made him the DJ. The group was DJ, who is DJ Jedi now. He DJs for Jiggable Planets, Motown Mondays in LA. Very well-respected DJ. Uh, Jazz Mac, who was later in the part of the People Under the Stairs family and crew. But he was going by Jawbone. And Jedi was going by Basshead. I was going by Tech Nine. And Anacron was going by Ill Styles. The word Wonderkind, I think I'm using it correctly, or Wonderkind, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not going to get into my Deutsch, German. Maybe we give a definition, if you could look it up. Anacron is that. He was a jazz prodigy. He was excellent at graffiti. He was teaching me how to write graffiti. He was teaching me about jazz. He introduced me to uh, Lamert Park, the world stage part of it. Um, he was playing there. Uh, man, he introduced me to Ladera Heights where he lived. Uh, my first friend I knew that had a gun. Uh, <laughs> so much. When we spent the night's house, we go bombing. And for us, bombing meant walking up La Cienega, like the freeway part of La Cienega from the Ladera Center to Slauson and tagging on the walls. My shit looked horrible. His shit was clean and hitting all the freeway stops and everything in between, bombing the fucking local elementary school and handball courts and shit like that. Um, 
he introduced me to so he definitely changed my life. His sister had a boyfriend who had a four track who had, I think he had the beat, maybe Anacron did the beat even back then. And he was into letting us record. You know, Crisscross, another bad creation. We're only like one or two years out that at that point. So another kid group seemed like the logical thing to do, I'm sure, for a guy that wanted to make money in the rap game. And we definitely wanted to rap. Song first song was like end it quick. And we had two songs. I think one was past the mic and one was end it quick. I think end it quick. I had a verse that said, they, uh, they call me Tech Nine, I bust rhymes like a gat. I'm not Oprah Winfrey, but my style is quite fat. And I ended it with like Darkwing Duck, Evil Doer Suck Gas. I'm through with it. So the mic I pass. This is like I said, this is my third time recording this podcast, and it doesn't get any easier to say those lyrics. However, Darkwing Duck was fire. I was probably, you know, even back then considered a weirdo for watching cartoons. But Darkwing Duck was kind of fire, dude. That's even the song, the song, Darkwing Duck, when there's trouble, you call DW. Like the rhyme schemes in that is kind of fire. I had a gas gun that I probably boosted or stole from a Disney store or spot. I don't remember. I won't uh, divulge. I just saw Jedi at High Road Day 2. Shout out to him. He was DJing for Soul Eye. And Anacron was there. It was like a mini funk. I wish Dre was there. Funky Chaos Reunion. Um, but to be able to see them at High Road Day, and I got to, I'm probably going to post it later, got to stand with Anacron while we were talking in the crowd and, and also watch Souls of Mischief. And me and him singing make your mind up like we used to when we were fucking 14 and now we're 45 is is amazing to still be able to have that uh that brotherhood man hip hop is is beautiful I never knew Dale produced that song too. That beat is fire. We did uh, end it quick. I don't know if we ever recorded some, but we used to perform these songs at lunchtime. Pep rallies if we could. Also just perform them in a cypher. We had our crew, INK, which is our tagging crew. I think we were later recruited by D2DIS, which is a huge organization for graffiti here that is still part. Tagging crew, I like to say organization when talking about tagging crews or gangs, because I think that mainstream American media would like to, you know, make it seem as juvenile as possible, but it's very serious to me, organizations, street organizations. So that graffiti organization, D2DIS, I, I think we were D2DIS four for a second. And uh, I think Anacron said something like, we were leaving school. He's like, let's go here. And I was like, well, I, we were used to going to the beach and rapping and shit. And he was like, nah, we got beef with it. I was like, I'm, I, I, we said th I said this before. Like, I'm always like, man, if I wanted to shoot somebody or like really like have beef, with, I would have just kept it cripping with everybody in my neighborhood. Man, that was crazy. I was like, so I was a, a ranker or whatever. I was like, but we haven't even met these guys. But that's something else about Anacron. Anacron is fiercely loyal. I don't know when we should get to this, but Anacron definitely has hands. I've seen him whoop on a lot of people. He's a skinny, very um, 
attractive man, young man, and you know, like he would be the guy that got girls, and I would just be the guy sitting outside waiting or hanging out with the girls' friends while he, you know, actually had sex with girls before I could even fathom that. But I was hanging out with him because I just wanted to do more graffiti, just write, break, some do more hip hop shit. And he was doing hip hop shit and regular teenager shit. I was doing the dumb teenage shit. Like, he didn't smoke weed or cigarettes. I was smoking weed and cigarettes and BDs and selling weed, and he was, like, getting girls. But we would meet in the middle of music. I just like to celebrate my friends and people who I think are legends in hip-hop. Like, even at Hamilton, like, there was a guy named Genocide who rapped when I got there in 10th grade. And I used to see him rap at the Cyphers and be like, wow. And there was a young lady who rapped. He had a dark-skinned sister who was cold. And then, you know, when they graduated, we kind of took over the Cyphers. And uh, it was dope to me when I met Bad Luck. If you don't know Bad Luck, he's a great, great MC from L.A., from Watts, but also uh, a strong man of God, my brother in Christ. Follow him. He's dope. I forget his um, name, but I think it's Luck, L-U-C-C-354, something like that on Instagram if you're into inspirational quotes and, and things from Christ. But uh, back then, he was a rapper from Watts, and I had become a fan of his. And he told me I went to Hamilton. I got bust in. Like like me, I think Nipsey, like a couple other people. He's like, I used to watch y'all rap. And that was dope to me that it continued from genocide to me to luck. And who knows after that, Double K was part of the cypher. So we would perform every day at lunch. And I've said before in the podcast, this is before rap was a thing for money. Like, we were just kids obsessed, like, the true spirit of the culture, like, having fun. We broke, we wrote graffiti, you know, I I DJed, I DJed, I wrote graffiti, I couldn't really dance, as we the theme being me being rhythmically challenged. So dancing wasn't my thing, but Anacron could dance. And I remember every day we used to call each other, ditching before texting, I don't you guys have it so easy with Lyft and Uber and shit, ditching in Los Angeles County, when you had to ride the bus through different hoods and like, it's either you're going to get caught by the police or gangbangers. Like, because no, no, no one else your age is on the streets right now unless they're up to no good and the police are going to already get, you're already looking for you for truancy reasons. And I, you would have to call on payphones, which are on corners <laughs> in various neighborhoods and then take the bus to meet whoever, wherever. You, or you had to make a plan the night before and hope everybody stuck to the plan and kind of maybe hang around a random donut shop or Tam's Burger in the wrong neighborhood to wait for your friends or a park. God, man, we went to a park one day and got ran up on somebody from Decepticons, which I didn't even know was a real gang in New York. It's just so much weird shit has happened pre-technology trying to be a delinquent. So one day I call Anacron. He's like, don't come over. I'm sick. I have the flu or whatever or something like that. No. Um, I didn't go over. And the next day he came and he had mastered 1990s. And 1990s are the b-boy move where you it's like a handstand on one hand and you spin around at the same time it was a move that he i had never seen him do i seen him break a lot and he taught himself that while he had the flu from watching the comment i used to love her video and like there's one part and if you see it and he's just rewinding that part that's how this man's mind work and he also did all the production for nether worlds and he gave me some type of amazing setup this is 99 2000 because his beat machine crashed and he had to do it all on. Let me get 
this straight from the horse's mouth, all on Microsoft Wave Studio 1-0. So single track stock wave editing program. And that's how he did all the beats because his fucking machine conked out. Talented. The next member, because of where Anacron lived, he ran into himself. Himself, I think, lived Ladera Heights adjacent, like right a, a block away from. Because if you live in Ladera Heights, I think the property value used to be more, maybe different school districts. So he was in the apartments like outside, right uh, across the street from Ladera. And you guys know the area like Jungle Video, uh, the 99 Cent Store. There's an old bar. There's an El Pollo local there now. Court Cafe. Shout out to Court Cafe. If you're in L.A. and you want, I don't want to yeah, like a traditional L.A. black experience and great food and with dope, amazing vegan option, please go to Court Cafe. Um, it's in the La Tierra, off of La Tierra in that neighborhood in Ladera. Side note, that shit is bomb. Plus, they have like, if you're into drinking, they got like uh, Hennessy mimosas or some crazy shit. Hennessy uh, margaritas is wild, um, but extremely good and packed. And right next to a Dr. Greetham dispensary is a very, very LA, um, you know, person of color LA experience, hip hop LA experience. Done with being a tour guide himself, I believe came from like a very Afrocentric family. I think they're originally from Chicago. Netherworlds was recorded in Chicago in one week. I ran into himself. Himself went to another school, but none of us really went to any school. We, you know, our school had the most hip hoppers, and traditionally, I'm told that Hamilton had the flyest girls. So we would tend to converge and meet up at our school for various activities. However, I think himself went to Culver with the homie Beck, who was also down with us. Um, Jao Ora, who's from the Project Blow family, was down with us. Uh, we were all in another crew called Cali Nine. Shout out to the great Kinky Red. But I met Kinky through himself. I met Beck and Aura through himself. And I think they all went to Culver or Venice or something like that. Um, just conscious street individuals when there wasn't really a lane for that. Like I said, we were out there amongst the gangbangers and taggers and miscreants um, on the other side of the line. And we were on the other side of the line too because we smoked marijuana, sold marijuana, which was, imagine that, illegal at the time. But we were like the ones with dreads and, you know, into Marcus Garvey and uh, just Pan-African politics and things like that. So it was kind of kind of different. Uh, but the thing about himself and Anacron also, like, I mean, there was a little bit of a, a violent streak in them, I think, more so. They were they were ready to get down. I've seen those brothers get down at multiple, on multiple occasions, and we've been down with each other. So they were, unlike Eli or other people in my crew, and Scarab and and people I was hanging out with, they were hood or hood adjacent. We were going to things within Black LA together. And we knew the rules and the culture that came along with that. The code. We knew the code. And, and we operated for better or worse by that code. So that was comfortable for me. So the Netherworlds project came after a couple years of me being in the Bay and being in Living Legends with people who kind of didn't share the same ideals, so to speak. So getting to go to Chicago and be with my brothers that we've been together since high school was great. So Anacron, myself, and I had got down with Log Cabin. Anacron started Peanut Gallery himself, had his own crew, which he kept me a part of, Twilight Children, which was Bektemba, his queen at the time, 
Ora, I believe a couple other folks, a squirrel who goes, I think Squirrel uh, goes by Jaskiot now, who's making dope music, doper than ever. He's always been dope. But Jaskiot, if you want to look him up, making amazing stuff. So we had our various crews, but we came together. Himself got me into one of my first studios in Culver City. When I put out my first tape, we didn't release the first episode about commercial, my first tape ever. Maybe I'll revisit that. But I only had one solo song, which was Red Dots, produced by Double K. Then I had two mel- three Melancholy Gypsy songs, Sun Spray, Dire Straits, and Melancholy Manuscripts. And I needed to fill up a 30-minute tape. That was the shortest tape I could find. And I wanted to make 100 tapes so I could sell them when we were on tour in Europe in 1996. So himself gave me two of his songs that he had made. I'll never forget that kindness. And like that's the kind of friend he was. And that's the, the, the theme behind Netherworlds was your friends will help you move. Your real friends will help you move bodies. And uh, I never doubted for one second that we were... Um, before the term ride or die existed, we were ride or die homies. These were my ride or die friends. Anacron met someone named JG who hooked him up with this label in Chicago called Galapagos. And Galapagos was willing to fund the recording. I mean, maybe they flew me out. Maybe they gave us a little advance. I don't remember. But we they, all, they provided a studio where we crashed. I believe it was DJ White Lightning's house. I slept on the floor. For some reason, if you look at the cover, I'm carrying a wiffle ball bat that's still the Mercer President era. I'm still carrying around a wiffle ball bat. I believe I smacked somebody in the head with it while they were sleeping. Just violent, frat boy, ignorant shit. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, himself was one of the first adults. I don't know what himself was doing in Chicago. Like I said, I think he's from originally from Chicago, but himself was the first person I know to have his own apartment our age. He was like 17, 18, had his own apartment. He lived in the jungles. It's one of the first times I ever got to go into the jungles. The jungles is a neighborhood just south of Midtown. I've been corrected via Black Twitter that it is not part of Mid-City, and that is fine with me. I'm still having trouble recognizing West Adams as a neighborhood, but the jungles is his own thing. Crenshaw District adjacent, or maybe it's in, I don't know. But it's an area where there's it's an all-blood neighborhood, to my knowledge. And where I lived was very close to there, but I had never been in there for various reasons. Himself, I think, was the first time I had been in into there. And Jim Gilliam Park, he lived right across the street, and it was cultural shock. But he had already made friends. with, Like, I was friends with the Crips in my neighborhood. He was friends with the Bloods over there because we all had, wanted weed. We had that common ground. And at the, at the essence, like, we were, I, I, I believe gangbanging is closer to a warrior or tribal African culture. And we were tribal little African American, literal, you know, African, pan-African revolutionaries running around spouting hip-hop and X-Clan and freestyle fellowship lyrics. So there was, I think there was, there was a, there were more common ground than just the marijuana, but we were all in the park smoking weed or hanging out with these, um, I'm assuming they're from BPS. And I, the first time I ever heard someone in real life say blood, it was crazy. I, I could still see it. New. I remember going back home and telling my brother and telling everybody in my neighborhood, I was like, man, this dude was so funny. He's like, yeah, some, some. I saw that dude. And I was like, blood. And I like, blood. I, had, cause I don't even know how, how blood said blood. Like I had never, it was a, like, I can't, I can't describe it to you. It's like uh, hearing someone, I don't know, man. Say something for the first time that you I didn't like it because it wasn't something said on TV. It wasn't something said on record. I believe this is before Banging on Wax the album came out, or I ne- I still ne- even never heard the blood side of that tape. So it was a but he, I never said oh blood, <laughs> and I was like man, that's so funny and cool. 
And yeah, that was just, uh, I wasn't offended at all. Because I, like I said, I'm, I'm not about the divisiveness of gang culture. I am who I am. I'm from where I'm from. I grew up how I grew up, but I can see the like the beauties in all of it and, and the downsides on both sides. Anyway, that was himself, very independent. So he was in Chicago. Anacron, I believe, was going to college. And I don't know where I was, but I got flown out for that. I was all over the place. I was in New York. I was in the Bay. I was in L.A., probably Minneapolis. I was truly still on my gypsy shit, floating around in the name of hip-hop. The first song, I believe, is just a little intro if you listen to it online. Funny thing is, I don't know who's collecting the royalties from the shit. Not that I give a fuck. But it is streaming. It's Pals, the deluxe version. That's not the original cover that's on Spotify. It wasn't originally 20 songs. And uh, what we're going to do now that I have a formula. We've been doing this for a couple weeks now. And now we're kind of up to date. We're in real time. The NFL season has just started. We're going to go. I'm going to play a little song. Then I'm going to get right back to y'all. But the first song is one. Pals, eight years in the making, taking life, stress and strife, recycled, and now a soundtrack for your life. The price? <laughs> Forget what you pay for this risk. I mean, what's a couple bucks for some authors priceless? You might just have made your best investment ever. So sit back and join and profit off this musical endeavor that was made for you to treasure. So one is a solid intro. I thought it was called Pals. Um, Pals is also taken from the Young Guns movie. When uh, Billy the Kid, Emilio Estevez calls her, you know, like they come with the name for their crew, their pals. Yeah, just just some dope raps. You could hear on the intro that they put as the intro and before the intro song, you could hear Netherworld, um, Netherworld's uh, Anacron counting me in. That's me being rhythmically challenging, Anacron being making the beats and actually producing my vocals and trying since I was 14 years old to get me to rap on beat. So shout out to him for that. One, two, Three, four, two, two, three, four. Yeah, it's just half crip, half backpacker rap. These were my friends that understood that, had been to my house, knew where I come from. We all understood, we had an understanding. We would go on to be in crews with people who may not have understood or known. Like I know himself and where he's from. I know, you know, Anacron, like really being in the Crip gang and like, but being able to play the saxophone, all the duality is what's expressed on this song. The next track, I believe, is Uncommon. Never miss when we swing it together with the nether cause the real world ain't ready for the shit that we bring in. the floor and see walk on the half pipe and skate. Now some may say that a young black male can possess both traits. I know how to load a nine with the edge of my shirt so the prince can be traced. Varsity badminton know how to move weight. Crenshaw's for the summer. Can't cool for the break. Split personalities too much for y'all to take. Cause when I keep it true, y'all keep saying that. Uh, very, you know, very aggressive. Every, you know, do everything with the bang. That's LA. Like everything is high. If you're rapping, if you're skating, everything is hyper aggressive. Those are not familiar with West Coast. I think the best thing is like uh best form of banging on someone, who banging, hitting someone up is on uh my summer vacation or ice cube. Damn chick, the spot's getting hot. So how the fuck am I supposed to make a night? Police looking at niggas through a microscope. In LA, everybody and they mama sell dope. They trying to stop it. So what the fuck can I do to make a profit? Catch a flight to St. Louis. That's cool. Cause nobody knows. Where somebody, JD, T-Bone, one of the dudes in Lynch Mob, like, something like, hey, hey, what? What is Lynch Mob, nigga? Hey, hey, man, what's up, nigga? Hey, hey, man, what's up, nigga? 
casualties still had the LA mentality bust a cap and out of there like you have to puff up your chest you have to bang and so that they sample me saying merch himself anacron netherworlds bitch merch himself in anacron netherworlds bitch be not your common nigga You say where you're from and disrespect whoever before they even say anything. They could be minding their business. Though a good friend of mine did bring up, my cousin brought up the other day that it's usually crip behavior to be this fucking hyper-aggressive. Bloods are usually cool. He's like, when have you ever been banged on by a blood? Like, bloods like, are a different kind of gangster. Chris like, yeah, where you from? I've And he made, he made me sit there and think about it. I was like, damn, I've never been hit up by any bloods. So this brings me to what um, him, uh, himself's verse, he says something about beating someone up and leaving mud tracks. Beat your ass and ask your friends where the bud at. We never be disrespected. You could cuss that. But fuck that. I was a fool who struck back. Beat your ass and ask your friends where the bud at. Go up in your crib with dirty shoes and leave mud tracks. We'll never be disrespected. You could cuss that. Oh my goodness. Could this be the promised land? I lived in West L.A. Take the bus to deeper West LA near Culver City where Hamilton is. There's gangs over there that don't, there's a Crip gang over on that side of town that has beef that fluctuates and at that time was high beef with the Crip and my Crip gang in my neighborhood. Now all my homies were from a prep gang preparing to be from the official Crip gang in my neighborhood and they had beef with the prep gang over at my high school. Like I said, they, my homies wouldn't have lasted a day at that school without some type of violence. But we had the good-looking girls. So some of my brother, he was with them in that crew. Some of his older homies were down by the school. And I didn't really respect some of these guys because I thought they were busters. I always was telling like, look, my brother go out with you. Y'all know who what I do and how I get down. If he don't come back, it's problems for y'all. Um, you know, it's cool. He wants to hang out and with the Crips and... But some, like, I used to tell them, some of y'all ain't, I used to tell my brothers, like, some of y'all ain't with shit. So some, there was a couple real ones, but more of the, the fake half-ass gangbangers were there. And they were on the corner. I was with Anacron and himself and uh, I think probably Eli, Faith, like, all of our crew, smoking BDs. It was orientation day, just hanging out, getting high probably. And then some older gangbangers came and they came. Like, it's so funny to me when, when L.A., when people have time, these old grown men, they were, had to be in their 20s, that was grown to me at the time, are rolling up to a high school, either for women or to start problems with younger men, which just is ridiculous to me. Anyway, they see my homies. They, I don't see them at first. They're parked there on the side of the school. I'm on the front steps of Hamilton where we shot the three, new single by 3MG, plug, plug. There's a video for it, plug, plug. We went back to our high school. Me, Eli, and Scarabin shot the video on those steps in front of the uh, auditorium. Your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Baby mama benefactor. A magnetic personality, but never been attractive. Ugly than a motherfucker. Plus, they say I'm weird, too. Game of Thrones on microphones. I sing a song and slay a crew. Songs of fire, songs of ice. Clash of kings that pay the price. Feast from crows defeating foes. Then dance with dragons through the night. Storm of swords is winning ears for idiots. So we're standing on steps, and I see the dudes from... My neighborhood. So I hit them up. I'm fucking with them, you know, and they hit me up with the gang. And I was pretending to be from a rival set and they were hitting us up with the real neighborhood we all we all live in, just fucking with them. I didn't know that these dudes from the other hood were right there. So immediately they get out there. Well, y'all from where? Cuz I'm like, oh, shit. And then, I, of course, the real gangbangers from my neighborhood, the quote unquote real, start running. And so they kind of chase them. 
And I start to run with the dudes from my neighborhood because that's my nature and my instinct. And like himself or Akron Crabby, like, no, you're not, you're with us. Like, calm down. But then once they couldn't catch them, I guess they turned their attention to us, but we slowly walk into the school. These grown men maneuver themselves to stand by the exit they assume we're coming out of. We come down the stairs across, like way in the other parking lot, thinking we avoided the confrontation, and they're waiting for us. And I'm like, oh, man. And I was like, so what was you throwing up? I was like, man, I wasn't throwing up nothing. I was fucking with them little punk-ass niggas from my neighborhood, and now they got me. Nah, cuz, we ain't trying to hear all And himself jumped in and was like, hey, like basically like, hey, fuck all that. I'm trying to smoke some weed. Y'all trying to piece up on a sack? And he pulled out a little weed. They pulled out a little weed and it became cool. You know, because he didn't come up like, hey, guys, take our weed. He was like, hey, man, fuck all this shit. I'll, I'll never forget that day. But that was kind of the world we were navigating. This was a long time before you could be a, a conscious street kid in L.A. It was either you were a G-Funk or you were a weirdo. And this was us pioneering that. So that, the song has lyrics like that. And I get the Florence Seawalk or the half pint and skate. Some may say the young black male can't possess both traits. Varsity badminton, know how to move weight, know how to load, load a nine with the edge of my shirt so the prints can't be traced. That's what I'm going through in my head. Like, I'm still skating from time to time, which I'm not really good at, but uh, I love. And still, like, you know, I had just, this is after varsity, like, got got finished with uh, carrying a gun everywhere I went when I was home because of, you know, we talked about the shit, or I talked about the shit in Merch Rule of the World. So my big homie was telling me how to, like, Windex and doing this and that and taking your gun apart, how to clean the gun and how to, if you're going outside, you load the, you know, hold your edge of your shirt when you load your gun, don't ever touch the bullets with your fingerprints, blah, blah, blah. Because when the casings, all this fucking 48 hours, uh, first 48 bullshit that I was learning in the late 90s, a way to channel that and kind of maybe process that or to valid, to look seeking validation. Because when I was with certain circles of people, they would doubt my authenticity in that world. So I don't know if it was ego thing or processing the trauma or whatever, but those lyrics, and I'm still never letting go of the fact that I had a varsity bat. I'm going to take that and ride with that for a long time. That is uncommon, but it's in parentheses the theme, uncommon. Next up, we got Fat Boys. Fuck what you going through, knowing you. You out there get jealous cause my shit is swollen, fool. Holding dudes and dudettes captive, fool death captions. Yo, what's up, this vandal gets active, reactions happen when the hats from a track start cracking. Fat boy beats, fat boy rhymes. That was a slang I think uh, himself came up with. I don't know if it was him himself or Anacron. Yeah, like it was just like hella. Like, oh yeah, fat boy uh, weed at the blah, blah, blah. We had, oh yeah. Fat boy ham sandwiches or whatever the fuck, just a, a lot of or a, a dope amount of, you know, it was, it was a new slang that we were using while we were recording. But I feel like himself, even if someone else, I feel like himself said it best. His voice is so smooth. He always had a deep voice. He was like Eli, like deep, deep voice. Beat is dope. Uh, once again, hi-hats, but it had that low end. It was just funky, like a like hip-hop G-funk. Like it was kind of like a perfect, because Anacron was very much in both worlds, like very, 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 um, knowledgeable in the jazz world, but very knowledgeable in the boom bap world and very knowledgeable 
in the funk, like a, you know, G-funk and gangster culture in general. My verse, just trying to be dope, uh, fat boy with long-winded, rhyming the booth line for the song, giving my fans, giving my fans mo like they needed, they lines tended. Fertilizer bandits stealing this shit. Me and these lawn metaphors that I was from before, and then giving my fans mo like they needed, they lines tended. I'm currently Kron's tenant with never a bronze finish. I'm living beyond minute 60. I'm gone with it. A fat boy verse, although long when they catch me rhyming in the booth long after my songs in it. I'm giving my fans more like they needed. They lines tended. I'm currently crying tended with never a bronze finish. I'm living beyond minutes. 60, I'm gone with it. Still in the show with a hot wire mic. So if it's not sounding hype, then it's not wired right. Gone to 60 seconds. Great film. Time it took them. Well, let's go, let's go, go. To steal your car. car. Hello, ladies. Uh, there's currently, uh, what's, the, what's the fucking car's name from Gone in 60 Seconds? Eleanor. There's currently, a, uh, we went, my son is obsessed with cars. We went to the Peterson Automotive Museum and I snuck in there because my wife's, one of my wife's favorite movies as well. One of my favorite movies and favorite movie at the time, meaning that I had very little money, but if I bought something on DVD, I watched that shit a fucking gang of times. Nowadays, I don't know what this generation does with their favorite movie because there's such so much content coming out. Maybe, unfortunately, fortunately, this writer's strike would, will force them to uh, maybe rewatch a movie or rewatch some content that's longer than 15 minutes or longer than 90 seconds. <sighs> um, sound like a boomer. Anyway... Gone in 60 Seconds reference there. I love that movie. There's an Eleanor Hot Wheel in my house. I snuck it to the gift shop and purchased this for my wife as a surprise. And it's the one Hot Wheel in my house. Well, I have a lowrider too. We made the Merce um, lowriders that came with the Blood Crip G-Shock watches. So there's one, those are two cars. My wife has a car and I have a car that hang up in, on the wall in our house that our children are not allowed to open. But now my children are obsessed with the film that they've never seen because this is the car they cannot open. Even my lowrider is like resealable, so I'm betting they opened it and touched it and closed it and put it back up on the wall. However, the Eleanor, they cannot open without us knowing. And so my son has been waiting for to return to the museum to purchase his own Eleanor that he can open. Random things. And then uh, still, like for me, a big kid at heart, like gone in 60 seconds. I'm still buying toys to this day as gifts for the girl I like. It was my wife, but I still like her very much. And then in the chorus, I, everybody switched up the chorus slightly. It's my fat boy beats, fat boy rhymes, Buttercup, Powerpuff, committing fat boy crimes because I wanted to be pursued by Buttercup. I had a crush on Buttercup. Powerpuff Girls was new. And I probably still, like, I think I'll, someone corrected me, but I still feel like I'm a first or second rapper to mention Pokemon in a rap, Mercer President. Now, Powerpuff, I'm going to stand on the fact that I was probably the first person to put Powerpuff Girls in a rap because this was 2000, 2001. Moving on. Okay, Abandon Me, the next song. Um, one of my favorite songs on this record. However, it uh, is not because of my raps. <laughs> um, it's about um, abandonment. Uh, yeah, just like it sounds, sampling Rolls Royce. I didn't know they were from LA. I just did a little Googles while I was listening to it. 
Amazing beat. There's a flugel horn solo at the end. Anacron would like me to let you know that was played by Ron Haynes of the Ohio Players. There ain't no love here no more. Just me between the glass ceiling and the left floor. In front of a plastic door, Mark, nevermore. There ain't no love here no more. Just me between the glass ceiling and the left floor. In front of a plastic door, Mark, nevermore. Um, and him... And I think the guy who did the scratches, uh, Jesse De La Pena, or DJ Days, did both of them did cuts on this record. But him, Ron Haynes, Jesse, and Anacron toured with the jazz fusion group called Liquid Soul in the early 2000s. That's the Anacron factoid he gave me. For me, my favorite part of the song is uh, himself's line, like, uh, be careful of the bitterness that grows in me. That's what was told to me by the elders, and it was gold to me. And they said, never let love let go of me. In the colder and the heat, I keep my toes to the street. And be careful of the bitterness that grows in me. That's what was told to me by the elders, and it was gold to me. And they said, never let love let go of me. Let, let, let go of me. And that line, like... I think he was talking about, I think he had gone through his first divorce already or something, a real huge, but like the mother of his firstborn children, they're having a separation or something. I don't know, but that was, it was deep. And that stuck with me. Because that beat is just uh, very, uh, has a lot of emotion. And I would smoke cigarettes and listen to it and, you know, get in my feelings. And, you know, it's very uh, meditative or meditative, whatever, to smoke cigarettes, you know, in a contemplative state. And this beat was like that to me. And then I started talking about um, the young lady I reached, I missed and mentioned who had passed away in a car accident that I was in love with. And I used my verse to kind of, I ended talking about that. I was talking about the abandonment I felt for my family in hindsight as a father and just as a, to me, a success in general. I attribute a lot of what I saw as abandonment then to key factors in helping me build the strength to succeed. It wasn't intentionally done that way, I don't believe, by my family, but that was the result. So now as a father of four boys, I wonder how much I should help and how much I should not help. My friends in the business that have very supportive friend, uh, family tend to have not made it as far as I have. So that is a, a struggle, a fine line I try to walk. What What is too much support and what is enough support so that, you know, even as I watch my five-month-old do tummy time, like, when do I pick him up? First, when he starts to struggle and, like, get frustrated with not being able to crawl or a couple minutes into it or a couple seconds into it. Like, when, you know, and I'm sure all of you do that as, as uh, some of you do that as parents, as active parents, as we try to navigate this ever-evolving profession. But the the longest profession, some say it's pimping and hoeing, and that's, you know, untrue. But the, the longest profession, if you consider it a job, to me, the most important job is rearing children. And uh, so what I saw as abandonment and I speak about on this song potentially was one of the biggest blessings I ever received uh, from my family because I, I knew I was loved, abandoned in a fact of support, but I was never outcast. Like the black sheep of my family, yes, I was a butt of jokes for being a vegetarian in the 90s and growing my dreadlocks and all this other stuff, but never felt unloved or un unsafe by my core family. Um, the males 
somewhat excluded stepfather, father, those people excluded, but by my core family, um, I never felt unloved. Just, I don't even say unwanted. I just, I felt like a disappointment and I wasn't receiving any support, but in turn, that became a plus. Uh, the flugelhorn, I think we covered everything on Abandon Me. Love it. I would say skip my verse. Um, just And I love the way Anacron, like all these are five-minute songs. Because he comes from a jazz background, I believe he was going in and out. And I also like to add that, and it's hard because I feel like I'm repeating myself, but you haven't heard the other verse. Anacron, from a young age, like I was telling you about Funky Chaos, he was writing everybody's rhymes. He wrote one guy's rhymes in the style of Diggable Planets, one guy's rhymes in the style of Onyx, and then wrote his own. It was kind of a DOS effect style. And then, so for the two songs we had, even when we were 14, 15, he had wrote six verses when I had only wrote two because he was so inclusive. G wasn't like, Jedi, oh, you can't rap, you can't be in the group. He was like, no, nah, I want my friends. He's just always, even as I find myself doing it in Ground Waves, and pay dues and things like that. He, from the stop, and maybe influenced me to be extremely inclusive and community-minded without consciously, I don't think he was aware of it at the time. We just spoke at Hyro Day and he's, you know, become aware of it and is using those, or is using those tools still to this day. However, I didn't see it back then, but extremely inclusive. And that's how we were able to get so many talented, like there's somebody from the Ohio players playing on a record that has no funding. There was no label support for people to, engineer or scratch or play or do poetry like this uh young young i believe lady forgive me however they identify on this next spoken word piece see dick not tip see dick drink see dick not get drunk because dick can't get drunk because dick doesn't know how to tip he is low rent dick so low rent that he requests a dj to play young mc and thinks it's still cool says he'll Crystal Ash, founder of Mental Graffiti, a global re globally recognized spoken word event that Anacron co-hosted and DJed at, at one of Chicago. That's right, one of the night, nightclubs. He was working at Mad Bar at the time for, for, from Chicago, I believe. I don't know if that's in Wicker Park. Uh, she also hosted and organized many years of the National Poetry Slam at Chicago's legendary Green Mill, which is now relocated in Oakland, California. That poem is phenomenal. When I heard it, I was like, how did you get somebody so dope to just give us? And it's still relevant today, which sucks. But see, dick tips. See, bro, that shit. Mwah. I listen to that and I'm just like, where, where did he find this talent? But that's Anacron's talent. Among his other many talents is finding talent and giving back to the community. He was, I'm sure she felt cool doing it because he was working with they're working together. Amazing poem. I love it. And I didn't grow up tipping, but that's a whole nother conversation. I just feel like it wasn't part of culture. Like, you know, like when when, you know, I know that black people were called uh Canadians or whatever, like, you have to realize, like, we weren't, in recent years, like, when I was going, like, for 30, it only been 30 years since we have been legally uh, kind of allowed to eat in white restaurants. I was never taught or told about tipping. Um, my grandfather hates tipping to this day. That doesn't make him right, but, you know, he's from the backwoods of northern Florida, and he grew up pulling a plow since he could almost barely, since he could walk. I've seen the pictures. Like, if you are you bringing him food doesn't constitute, in his mind, him having to give you more money. He doesn't, you know, things he, he didn't understand. And so that's where I come from. That was the the man in my life, for the most part, the man I spent the most quality and sober and um, I listened to and respected, the most respected man in my life. And he didn't go to bars and he didn't drink. So when I had to, I had to learn a long way about tipping. And now I tip 
over tip uh, because I feel like I have to to make up for the the stigma surrounding black people and it sucks. Even when I get bad service, I still I feel like I have to tip. I believe around this time, I'm going to tell a couple stories right now. I believe around this time, this is where uh, a friend of mine, I think it was a Netherworld show, booked a show in the, in the middle of Illinois somewhere, some college. And afterwards... I proposed to a girl live on stage. I was on cloud nine. She accepted. Um, nothing came of it. We annulled the proposal. Two adults got on the phone with us and told us to stop being stupid. However, at that night, I was on cloud nine. We went to a restaurant, and I believe I was with Blueprint, or maybe he wasn't there, but it was with some Rhyme Stairs cats and I think Mac Lethal. I don't remember. Midwest rappers. There was a lot of white dudes there. And... Um, majority white guys, and the waitress, so racist, didn't even acknowledge. She took everybody's order and would not look at me and then left. I never got a plate of food. I never got spoken to. And at this point, when I look back, I'm like, why did anyone else sit through this shit? But I was so happy because this was a girl I had been pursuing for months and months, maybe years. So I was thinking I was getting married and I was probably drunk. And I just let it go. And I left her $20 and I wrote on her, I'm sorry. You know, I love you, something God loves you probably, and left her a 20. But I had never felt racism in, the, you know, whether it was the 20th or 21st century at that point, 99, early 2000. I, I had never seen anything like that. Shit, yeah, I, I, I can't even, like, it still doesn't seem real to me. But the woman would not look at me. And the, the fact that everyone stayed there and sat there and ate still was amazing. Or maybe I told him it's cool, it's cool, just eat. And I laughed it off. I probably did that. I'm assuming that the people I was with was not having it. But I tell you what, I know who wasn't at the table that night. BK1. Because if you want to talk about a crusader for justice, I'm not going to go into it. But shout out to BK1. He is a, a, a white male American who is down for the cause. I've seen him. He will not uh, sit idly while there is injustice in his midst. He will take action in a very real way maybe overact, some will say. I applaud him. And we're going to give a break right there. It's been a, a long podcast with lots of stories and not enough music. But next week, we'll get back to the music half. And uh, if you haven't heard Netherworld, it's a perfect time to go dive in. And then uh, you'll know what we're talking about next week. Uh, corrections for this episode. I'm sure it's like Microsoft I.O. I said one zero slash zero. And um, I said the wiffle ball bat was merged for president era. I meant merge rules of world era. If you guys want longer episodes, slide in my DMs wherever you see me or a comment on the post I make about the podcast and say longer is better. If not, um, try to keep them around an hour. Love y'all. See y'all for part two of Netherworlds next week. Yeah.